We all have questions. We all need answers. It is on this program that we get our answers from the Bible. It's time to Ask the Preacher with Rev. Carl Gallops of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome to another edition of Ask the Preacher. This is your host, Mike Bates. With me in the studio is Rev. Carl Gallops, the pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here. Well, I appreciate you coming. I have a question for you today that is frequently on my mind and I think has to be wondered about by many others as well. And that is this. Why do bad things happen to good people? If, as Christians, we are living a good, godly, decent life, Mm -hmm. and we are doing the right things, Mm -hmm. why are we so frequently victims of something bad? If, and I realize this is many questions, and I will let you actually answer it. They're asked in all these different ways. (laughs) If we are God's children, and if God does promise to take care of us, why does he allow so much suffering and so many bad things to happen? Mike, you have asked probably the oldest question in the world. It is an age-old question, but the reason I went so far as to say it probably is the oldest question is because the oldest book in the Bible known to man is the book of Job. Now, the book of Genesis speaks to older things. It speaks to the creation itself, Uh, but Moses wrote that as God gave him the first five books, basically, on Mount Sinai. But the book of Job has been in the possession of the Israelites for time immemorial. For as long as we know, as long as we have recorded history, they've had the book of Job. Well, what does the book of Job deal with but that very question? Why do bad things happen to good people? And more importantly, the question is, why do bad things happen to godly people? Mm -hmm. Why do things happen to God's? Why do bad things happen to God's people? Okay, so that's an even tougher way of asking the question. And Mike, I thank you for asking it again, though. And I and I want to be very careful that I'm that I'm thoughtful and biblical in my answer. I don't want to appear to be flippant because oh, I could answer the question in a sentence, but it would sound a little flippant because this is a very sincere and serious question that people have. Because as you said, you, you can come up with all kinds of scenarios, but maybe a person is just living just. I mean, right up next to the cross, so to speak. And the next thing you know, they, they lose a child or, uh, you, you know, they, they're, they're diagnosed with some terrible disease. Uh, and and, and these, these are real things that happen to real people in real life all the time. And, and they happen to God's people and they do test our faith. So uh, thank you for giving me about 30 minutes this morning, Mike, and I, and I do want to take a little bit of time to answer this in a biblical fashion. Uh, and, and, I, and I hope the listeners will stay with me the whole program because I really think that uh, the Word of God and what God's going to speak through me this morning can help you. Let me begin, Mike, answering the question this way. I think how one approaches the answer to that question depends entirely upon their philosophical and theological understanding of life and the teaching of Scripture to the basic question of why are we here in the first place. That is, if one approaches life with the philosophy that we're basically here 
to uh, see how many good things can happen to us. We're basically here for a pleasure paradise, and the way that we're kind of guaranteed that is by being right with God. It's almost a superstitious thing. I, well, I better be right with God so something terrible doesn't happen to me. If one has that philosophy of life, that that this life is kind of the be-all, the end-all, uh, and that in this life I deserve good things, in this life um, uh, good things should happen to me, particularly if I love God with all my heart and mind and soul. If one has that philosophy then obviously one is going to be sorely disappointed and disillusioned and may even, quote, lose their faith if that's possible. Now that's a whole nother show. But, but it comes down to philosophy. If, on the other hand, one understands what the Scripture teaches, and I'll go into this in more detail, Mike, but let me just make a sentence or two statement about this philosophy. If one understands that what the Scripture teaches is, I mean, the, the book of Genesis opens up by telling us this life, this, this world's messed up. Now it's messed up for a reason. Because man spit in God's face in the very beginning. But the book of Genesis is very honest and very clear. This world is messed up. And our relationship with God is messed up. And man's relationship with each other is messed up because of us succumbing to our sin nature and spitting in God's face all the way back in the garden. So the Bible opens by telling us that, wait a minute, this life is not the paradise that is to come. This life is not filled with perfection and, 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 and total goodness. Now, this life has a lot of good in it, and people cling to life. We have a, something built in us that clings to life. We love life. We should love life. Um, that's why suicide is frowned upon in the Scriptures. That's another show we'll do sometime. But, but, but life is precious. Uh, Jesus died so that we may live in Him. Uh, that means both physically, earthly, and spiritually, heavenly. Um, so, but the Bible's clear about that, but, but the philosophy of the Scriptures is, Mike, that that this life, there's something more to this life than just seeing how much pleasure we can get out of it or how much good we can get out of it or how many good things we can make happen to us. The Bible makes it clear that this life really is about, well, it's a gigantic test, if you will. And I don't mean that, that there's a mean ogre sitting up there with rats in a maze. I mean it is a weeding out process. It's boot camp, if you will. Because the Scripture tells us, in no uncertain terms, there is a life to come, and it is eternal. And all people will live again forever, regardless of what one does with Jesus Christ. It, but the Bible says, but you will either live in heaven, and we can talk about what that is, or in hell, and we can talk about what that is. Those are different shows. Well, we've covered a lot of shows here this morning already. But, but, uh, but the question you ask is one of those panoramic questions that, that, that deals with the whole of the biblical philosophy. But the bottom line, though, Mike, is that if... if the, the Bible makes it clear that this life is a weeding out process, it is a boot camp process, it is a testing process, so that you're living your life in this world, and in the midst of this fallen world, in the midst of crime and pollution and corruption and disease and, and violence and accidents and heartache and heartbreak and death, in the midst of that, if we come out on the other side with our faith still firmly planted in Jesus Christ, then we truly belong to the Lord. And God says, He says, when you come out on the other side, He says, I promise those who have kept their faith in me, those who have put their faith in me, 
I promise them that I will make it right. See, the, the, if Genesis opens with, this is a messed up world, and it's messed up because of your sin nature, mm-hmm. if it opens with that, and if all in the middle it's filled with God saying, but let me show you how you can restore your relationship to me now and forever, Mike, it ends in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, by saying, John said, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of heaven adorned as a bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, behold, I'm making everything new. The old things have passed away. Now the new things have come. And it says, there's no more pain, no more mourning, no more crying, no more death. And God says, because the old order of things has now passed away. And now the new has come. And then chapter 21 and chapter 22 goes on to describe the beauty and the grandeur and the perfect perfection of paradise, of the new recreated paradise. So the philosophical perspective that the child of God must have is that, is that, okay, of course I want good things to happen to me, Mike, as a human. Of course I want as many good things to happen to me as possible and as few bad things as possible to happen to me. Nobody would invite tragedy or disease or death or accidents upon themselves. Of course not. And, and, but in the meantime, as we go through life, the million-dollar question is not why is this happening to me necessarily. The million-dollar question is, as a believer, what do I now do now that this has happened, so that my faith is strong and that Jesus Christ is still glorified in my life. See, that's the whole lesson of, that's the whole lesson of the book of Job. You, took, you take this man, it, it opens, see some say, well, I don't know if this is a literal guy, if this literally happened. Uh, some say well, it's an allegory. It, it doesn't matter to me, Mike. I think it's a literal story about a literal man, but it doesn't matter if it's an allegory or symbolic or story. The point of it is... That it is telling a story with a, with a moral point to it, a biblical, theological, spiritual point. And the story goes like this, Mike. There was a man, a godly man, a righteous man, whom God had blessed because of his righteousness with uh, uh, wife, children, uh, cattle, uh, wealth, great land, great um, uh, prominence in the community. And then that, that book goes on to tell how almost overnight he lost it all. Not only did he lose all of those things, but he lost his health. And and what's the cliche now? You know, if you have everything, if you have your health, right. yeah, without our health, we have nothing. And so, so, so the book of Job, written thousands of years ago, maybe four, five, six thousand, who knows how old. But the book of Job understood and dealt with this issue. Here's a man who had it all, and symbolically or literally lost it all overnight. Now, it goes on to describe his struggles, and it goes on to describe the people that come in and out of his life, giving him counsel. <laughs> and it's a hilarious book to read because you listen to the counsel of these people, and they come up with the same stuff that people come up with today. Well, Job, there must be sin in your life. That's why this is happening. Or, well, Job, maybe your relationship with God isn't just right. That's why this is happening. Or, well, Job, you know, this is just life. Uh, just suck it up. Uh, well, Job, and you know, and you go along these different uh, lines and 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 you listen to the advice and it's it's hilarious because it's the same stuff that people try to answer these questions with today thousands of years later we still come up with the same kind of ridiculous answers or philosophies and then finally job's wife now i missed 
mistaken just a moment ago, I said he lost his wife. He did not lose his wife, but he lost his children, his wealth, everything, his health. But finally, his wife comes to him and says, in his lowest point, his wife comes to him and says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Get it over with. I mean, she literally says that. Curse him and die. Why do you keep hanging on to your faith in this God who did this to you? Look at you. You're miserable. You're covered in sores. You're miserable. You can't sit down. You can't stand up. You've lost your wealth. You've lost your fame. You've lost your money. You've lost your children. You've lost everything that's precious in life. And, and yet you claim that you love this God. Why don't you just curse him and die and go to the dust of the earth where you came from? Now, now Mike... Talking about kicking a dog when he's down. I mean, here's a guy that's down, 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 and his own wife, the only thing he has left in life that he could call precious, has now turned on him. And I love his answer. His answer is, and this is, this is the moral of the story. One of the morals, there's a couple of morals, but the moral of the story is, Job says, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Now, Mike... That's huge. And you think, yeah, but can that really be done? Yes, it can be done. People do it all the time. I mean, I've been in the ministry long enough. I've seen people do it. I'm trying to do it in my life. But I'll admit to you, I've not suffered near the sufferings that I've seen people in my own church suffer. Mm -hmm. And I will admit to you that I've often wondered, Mike, as I watch people in my, in my church go through things, wow, could I keep my faith? I mean, here I am, their pastor, you know, Mr. Spiritual One. But could I handle it the way they've handled it? I don't know. I pray. And then I pray, God, please don't ever test me with that. Please. You know, because, because my desire in life is to glorify Jesus Christ. And I don't want to do anything or be put in any situation where I might bring dishonor to him. Now, I, I would hope my faith would be strong enough. But I watch these things happen. But then I watch them, Mike. And I, and, and I watch some of these people. Not all pass this test, but I watch some of these people, rather than shaking their fist in God's face and saying, why me, why me, why me? I watch them say something like, okay, what now, God? Mm -hmm. Okay, what now? What now? H how do I use this for your glory? How do I bring glory to you? Now, they may not say those words. I'm not saying these are super spiritual, but I'm saying that's how they live their life. It's like, rather than why me, it's a what now? Now, go ahead. Well, and I tell a story about a friend of mine, actually, who had a similar situation um, his wife had breast cancer, and her attitude was, well, God gave this to me for a reason. Mm -hmm. If I live, it's God's will. If I die, it's God's will. I'm obviously going to go through the treatment. I mean, she wasn't one of these Scientologists who believed that they should have no medical care. She sought the medical care. But she was so at peace yes. with that Because her faith disease. was strong. Yeah. And obviously that was good for her, but you know what? It was good for me. Yeah, because it's a witness, isn't it? It was a witness. That's you it. use that word a lot on this yes. program about your witness That's and why it. you don't do something. Other than our salvation, witness. it's the most important thing we have. I wish I could be that strong. Yeah, and I, but I looked at her and I thought, you know, she she really is. Yeah. I think I'm walking with God. Yeah, uh, uh, she's a Christian. She is walking with the Lord. Yeah, not me. Yeah, and so it, it gives me something to aspire to, and unfortunately, uh, she did pass away, and as we all will. Well, but she was young. She yeah, shouldn't have died so uh, soon. Well, shouldn't have. We, let's talk about that, too. But go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and so you talk about the witness, and there's an example that, that is such a witness. One of the very popular expressions these days that I hear people say is, well, God's never going to give you more than you can handle. But, you know, that's not true. 
Well, That's a misquote when of I scripture. When I hear that, I often think to myself, well, he's got a lot more confidence yeah. than me than I do. <laughs> that's right. Hey, thank you, though, what because that's, that a, that's a misquote. Mis- no, it doesn't mean anything. Do it's a misquote of scripture. I hear it all the time, too. The Bible says God will never put more on you than you can handle. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that God will not allow any temptation to come to you such that is not common to man, and at the same time, he will make a way out. Now, that's a whole different thing. A mm-hmm. temptation? Or something coming into my life that I just don't think I can bear up to, that I can't handle. The, Bi- the Bible doesn't promise that bad things won't happen to good people. And the Bible doesn't promise that bad things, horribly bad things, won't happen to good people. That's a misquote of Scripture. What God promises to His children is that when we are tempted, number one, we can't say God's doing this to us, the book of James says, because God does not tempt us with evil. But, but, but since He allows it, see... Since he allows it, you can say, um, okay, so this temptation has come. God has not stopped it. He's allowed it. What's my responsibility? And God says, oh, my child, you have my Holy Spirit in in you. You have my word. You have the truth. You have the promise of eternal life. You have this thing called faith. So for you, my child, there is no temptation that is too strong for you that 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 has is not common to man number one and number two and god says and i'll make a way out for you and you know mike when i honestly examine the temptations that have come into my life that i have succumbed to mm-hmm. when i honestly honestly examine them there was a way out god always had a way out for me and i chose not to so that's the proper application of that scripture. The Bible nowhere says that God will not put on us any more than we can bear. Mm-hmm. Now, we can talk about this later because I know we need to take a break about, well, you know, does God do these things to us or allow? Like that woman, she said, I know God gave me this cancer. And I don't want to parse people's words too much when they're dealing with their relationship with God. My personal philosophy, my understanding of the scripture is God doesn't necessarily give his children cancer, but cancer is a part of life, and 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 he allows those things. So in allowing it, did he give it? I know that's a philosophical question, but but the bottom line is is that her attitude was correct. She had the Job attitude, and that is, listen, I belong to the Lord. There is another life coming. Now in this life. I have been the victim of one of its bad things. Now, how do I use this to glorify God? And when one has that attitude, wow, it makes all the difference in the world. Let's get the answer to that question, but let's first take our break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you just what that means. Okay, you've taken the first part of this program, and you've explained why bad things happen to good people. The question I'm going to ask you when we return is, yeah, but does God want bad things to happen. Gotcha. That's a fair question. We'll get the answer to that after this short break when Ask the Preacher continues. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. This is Mike Bates. Reverend Carl Gallups is with us. Question for this second portion of our program. We talked earlier about how God allows bad things to happen and why bad things do happen. But does God want it to happen? And let me give you a quick example. I know someone who actually saw his son, nine-year-old son, ride a bike and get run over by a truck Mm. and killed. I'm so sorry. How terrible. Well, no kidding. I I can't even imagine that. But his attitude was, well, it wouldn't have happened if God didn't want it to happen. Mm -hmm. And we, we read in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, and I'm somewhat paraphrasing here, that a sparrow will not fall to the ground unless it's God's will that that happened. 
well, certainly that child is more important than a sparrow. Uh And so if God is going to cause that sparrow to fall to the ground, certainly he's going to cause that child to get run over Mm -hmm. by a truck. Mm -hmm. Does God really want bad things to happen to good people? Mm -hmm. A very fair question. Uh, Mike, it, it, again, it depends. And if you listen to the first half of the show, folks, you, you understand where I'm, where I'm coming from. It depends upon one's whole philosophy and theology and understanding of what life is all about in the first place. Let me give you Let me answer it with an illustration. Mike, you've got a couple of precious little boys. And you could say to one of your sons, for example, son, I promise you from this day forward, you will never suffer pain again in your life. I promise you, you will never go without You'll never know what it is to hunger. You'll never know what it is to thirst. I promise you, son, you will never have your heart broken by a little girl. Uh, I promise you that you will never break a bone in your body. I promise you that your life will be one of total uh, peace and perfection and, and, and no pain in your life. And your little boy's looking at you thinking, wow, okay, that's cool. And then he says, well, how can you keep that promise, Dad? And then you look at him and say, because I'm getting ready to lock you in a padded room. I will never allow you to date. I'll never allow you to ride a skateboard. I'll never allow you to ride a a bicycle or a motorcycle or drive an automobile. I'll never allow you to play sports. I will put the food under the door to you because I don't want to infect you with any disease. I'll never touch you again. I'll never see you again. And yada, yada, yada. And you get the illustration. Now, Mm -hmm. now, all of a sudden, this offer of a pleasure paradise doesn't sound so good. Why? Because we would rather live and take our chances with the stuff of life. We would rather live. The best gift you can give your child is not to lock him in a padded room and guarantee him that he'll never suffer. The best gift you can give your child is to allow him to live and to experience life. Now, along the lines, of course, you teach him the rules and how to be safe and all of these things, but you are willing to take the risk with your children. Mike, I know you are because you don't have them locked in a padded room. You're willing to take the risk with your children that something horrible could happen to them, but you're willing to take that risk in order for them to have anything called a life. And it is similar with God. That's not a perfect illustration, but it's similar in that we are here to live. And Mike, life is filled with messed up stuff because this is a fallen world, but there's a paradise to come. And my attitude of life is, Mike, if God never answered another prayer that I asked, if God never blessed me again, if God never brought anything good into my life again, beginning with this day, from this day until the day I die, I would still serve him. I would still preach his love. And I would still glorify him. Why? Because I know this life is the boot camp. This life is the test. God's not looking for people who will love him because they've made their life a pleasure paradise. He's looking for people who will love him in spite of this being a messed up world filled with pain. Because on the other end, he promises to make it right for his children. That promise was bought by Calvary's cross and an empty tomb. And that's my philosophy of life. Well... It's not always easy for us to accept. Of course not. It's not easy. It's easier to say than it is to live. Wow. Bad things do happen to good people all the time. Yeah. 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 But there is a day of judgment coming for the ones that uh, seem to do bad stuff all the time, seem to get away with it, God says. But I'll take care of them, too. Just like I'm going to take care of my good, cho- my good children, <laughs> I'm going to take care of of the evil ones too. He says, just trust me. Just, he says, hang in there, fight the fight, finish the race, keep the faith. And if we hang in and believe in God and believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. 
we will end all our suffering one day. We'll That's be right. in heaven with him. With him, personally. In the paradise that he intended from the beginning. Well, let's hope we all have the strength to accept that as fact. That's right. Because it's not an easy journey. Nope. Um, we are out of time, but I do want to mention your website because you've Thank got you. an outstanding website where subjects such as these are discussed, plus that a lot of other information as well, www.hickoryhammockbaptist.org. This has been Ask the Preacher. I'm Mike Bates. Reverend Carl Gallops of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church has been with us. Carl, would you please close us in prayer? Sure. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to help people understand the truth of your word concerning the theology and philosophy of life. I pray, Lord, that all listening today would surrender their life, if they've not already, to the lordship of Jesus Christ, calling upon him for their salvation, so that they too may experience the paradise that is to come. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.